Have you ever had a whole bunch of things kind of happen in your life that seem to validate one another? Me either. <laughs> there's, um, there's been something I've been very interested in recently. It sort of began when I saw a friend of mine who, he's an actor, and he... I guess posted something where he met the author of a book called Alter Ego, or The Alter Ego Effect, something like that. Uh, can't remember the author's name, Tom something? Anyway, the the concept of the book fascinated me. He was talking about essentially stepping inside of alter egos that we have. Now, what I... I went and I bought this book, I bought the audio version, because I am better at getting through those. The reason that it interested me had nothing to do with th this current podcast that I'm recording for now. It had to do more with the fact that this is something that I've done myself. Uh, taking on an alter ego, for example, and the main time that I do it I, is in writing. I do it from time to time as well, like it, I might act as a character. I don't, I haven't done that in a long time, but I used to do it quite a bit, especially acting like this kid Randy. I created these characters that I do for YouTube videos and things, but the main way that I found it to be helpful is in doing writing. I found it really, really freeing because if I'm writing as a character, I can access things deep within inside me, but that I would personally never say for various reasons, for fear of being ridiculed or um, simply because they're not appropriate things to say. Whereas this other character doesn't have those kind of filters. He's a little bit... Well, he's sort of... On one hand, he's an uptight British fella, but he's also a little bit naive and doesn't really quite know proper social boundaries. So he just kind of says what he says, sometimes out of arrogant, uh, ignorance, and sometimes out of the kind of not-give-a-shit factor. And... Certainly not intentionally trying to inflame, but that is bound to happen with some of the things that comes out of me when I'm taking on that persona. So it's a it's a concept that I've utilized in my own life quite uh, quite extensively. So when this when I heard about this book that was all about it, that was extremely interesting to me. Now what I didn't know was that the guy who wrote this book is he's mainly worked with athletes so I I'll admit that when I first started reading it and he was really talking at a, about it from that kind of perspective it, I was a little bit disappointed I was like well I I don't want to know how whoever it was he was talking about LeBron James it wasn't LeBron but it was someone like that who how these athletes take on, you know, these personas once they hit the football field or the basketball court or whatever. I'm not interested in that. 
And even though, I mean, the irony isn't lost on me that with this podcast that seems extremely valuable application of this concept is, you know, channeling it into a sort of physical performance. Um, I think I've mentioned before, I'm, I'm not sure, I've, I've recorded a lot of things that have sort of been left on the cutting room floor for one reason or another. Anyway, so I'm not sure if, if I'm repeating myself, but there, uh, on, on my phone, it's a Google, there's this, these Google things come up that it thinks might interest you. And there's one that came up and this is, this is a concept I've been thinking more internally. So it's kind of scary. I don't know if this phone is getting inside my head or whatever, but anyway, um, this is a relatively new article though, which is quite fascinating. It was published on October 25th, which is just a couple days ago, and it's from the website uh, SciPost, P-S-I, as in psychology, I presume. Um, and the title of the, the article is New Studies Suggest Actors' Sense of Self is Profoundly Changed by Their Characters. So this is all about a study that was done on actors. And what they found, if I if I understood this correctly, was that so when actors took on a character, when they became a character, there was some sections of their brain that I think a part in the frontal lobe, um, for the main part, that kind of shut off. So those were sort of the, the, the filters, the, those kind of filters, actually, that I was just talking about. So when they become these characters, what they lose is something that's kind of a phenomenon in uh, in psychology and, and philosophy, actually, which is the sense of self. And it's this sense of self that you know, is tends to be quite aware of uh, behaving properly, uh, what others will think of us, those types of things. So, and and as a matter of fact, that that in acting that's quite important. And I'm saying that as someone who, um, at my time studying in film school, I went to Vancouver Film School. I'm my directing instructor, he was big into teaching about, you know, directing actors. As far as he was concerned, directing actors is the most important part of a director's job. He was coming from an acting background. And so I came to love that aspect of of it. And so one of the things that he really um, impressed upon us was that Actors need to trust their director because they can't direct to themselves. They can't be watching themselves. They can't be watching their own performance. They need to trust that the director will be watching the performance so that they can just be. And they don't have to be as well as sort of paying attention. So it's quite interesting because that 
really speaks to what this article is speaking to is that there it's it's shutting off that sense of watching oneself and and acknowledging oneself in the same way that we do in our regular life it's it's a very interesting thing that the most authentic performances are almost actively disengaging one of the things that is most authentic to the human experience <laughs> right so what's my point i mean it's it's interesting i uh, hopefully you know i've i've expressed this in a way that has interested you uh, i'm 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 just waking up now it's about it's 6:40 on a saturday morning i'm sitting in my car preparing to go to the gym trying not to wake my family i'm still not fully <laughs> alert myself um so and i'm recording this for my my podcast men's search for muscle so how is this applicable to this i'm not i, I don't know <laughs> is the the real answer but i think it is that's sort of the the i guess reality of it and that's partly why i'm recording this because as i've said time and time again on this podcast the whole point of this was to talk through new ideas and and hopefully learn something from them because this idea has been coming back and back and back to me so i think there is a reason for that so i suspect that there is true application here in this alter ego concept that can be used Certainly, it can be used in day-to-day -day life, as I have found with my writing, because it's very freeing to get that side of you out, you know? Those things that are in you, but we deliberately hide, and for good reason, sometimes it's very liberating to get them out of you. I suspect there is something that can come from it in physical development as well. There has to be. I learned something about myself recently while while listening to a different audiobook. It was called uh, NLP Essentials. Uh, as you know from the ep other episodes, if you've heard them, I have been reintroducing myself to the idea of NLP because it's been a few years since I've studied any of that kind of material. So this book was quite good. It seems to cover the a lot of the basics and clarified some things that I wasn't quite that didn't quite make sense to me before about the philosophy of NLP. One of the things I came to discover about myself was that I would fall under the category of what is considered a kinesthetic learner, which is partly apparent because of the way that I talk. It's because of listening to myself doing these audio programs that I was able to figure that out because I'm, I'm not a particularly fast talker 
And it's pretty clear that I'm not a particularly fast thinker. It takes me time to process things. I've, there's there's this loop going on in this program where it's kind of coming out of my mouth into my ear, uh, digesting in my brain, and um, and that digestion process isn't particularly quick all the time. And that's quite typical of people who are kinesthetic learners. Uh, but there's other implications as well that, um, that that come along with that. Anyway, uh, one of the things that that was just kind of a detour. One of the things that it, it was talking about was kind of the power of visualization. And visualization isn't quite the same, obviously, as uh, this idea of an alter ego. But I think it's married to it somehow. I think they're related. I know for a fact there is power in visualization because again as it was fresh in my mind and it was talking about this moments before I was about to get under a heavy barbell I um, I lifted that thing like like wonderfully my my form was great I pushed it I I did one or two extra reps on a weight that I hadn't been able to before simply by visualizing myself doing it prior to the movement as part of my kind of warm-up. So it's amazing the power of the mind. It really is. I mean, our experience is... It's often based on our interpretation of external experience. For some people, I think it's hard to wrap your mind around the power of internal forces that we can't see, that we can't touch, that we that, that only really exist in our imaginations and, and in a kind of abstract world that we don't have access to aside from thinking about. But anybody who's gone about their life with the belief of the power of what we can do simply by embracing the power of the internal, the power of the mind, the power of the subjective and of those things that we can't touch. For one thing, it brings a kind of fulfillment, a kind of accomplishment that would otherwise be impossible. I don't like getting into this subject very often on something intended to be for public consumption, but I am, one of my big convictions is that there is a, there is a great power in belief, and it can be used for good or for bad, beliefs 
are very entwined with our identity. And the thing is that we each have our own beliefs and you can't force your beliefs onto someone else. Trying to will only cause resistance. No one wants to be told who they should be. We'll naturally resist that. And for good reason, too. And I know there are some people who have the curious belief that people shouldn't have beliefs. Or they shouldn't be allowed to believe what they don't believe. Which is kind of an absurd idea. It's that old idea that I talk about from time to time of, you know, chopping off the branch that you're sitting on or, you know, I think I've used the example before of the people who use their first amendment rights in the states to say the first the freedom of speech to to say that freedom of speech is bad, you know, that kind of thing, but but I know some people are very resentful towards things like religion. And I understand where that comes from. You know, it, it comes from, usually it comes from generalization that's not always completely fair. And a feeling of superiority in many ways. I mean, which is not hard when you have people like Sam Harris who I could talk about for hours, but this isn't about Sam Harris and all his hypocritical kind of uh, self-contradictory ideas. Um, I, he's uh, he's hilarious. I mean, just as an aside, it's uh, I asked uh, the joke one time. I know this is really rude, but he's, he's somebody who says, you know, on one hand, people are stupid if they believe in religion. This is essentially what he says. I've heard him say it. And yet he also makes the public statement that believe all women. So my question to him, I, I believe I tweeted them, him this, and I don't think he ever got back to me, was um, if a woman told you she was raped by God, would you believe her? You know, these are the... Which is kind of funny because it's it's the same kind of those those ridiculous questions that he poses about God. Things like, well, if there's no uh, sadness in heaven, then if you go to heaven, or sorry, if not everybody goes to heaven, then how could you not be sad? You know, those kind of silly, silly questions, which are ridiculous because, you know, if, if I, if it came to, if I were asked that question, the answer is quite obvious. It's like, well, this scenario is a creation of yours. So in this scenario, you're God. So you tell me, right? Anyway, that's not my point. My point is that, that those kinds of people are those those kinds of viewpoint while they're not outright saying freedom of belief is bad that's essentially what they're pushing without knowing it 
to say that people shouldn't be allowed to believe in things that you personally don't believe is saying that freedom of belief is a bad thing. And again, that's a self-defeating belief because if you really look at it objectively, the, the Western world, specifically North America, well, okay, North America, Canada and the United States, even more so the United States is a huge country and everything, but even even uh, England to an extent, uh, even uh, it's, they do currently have sort of freedom of belief, but I mean, for a long time, it wasn't quite as, again, this isn't the history of England, but regardless, the, the what we'll call the Western world and the, the values that associated with that and the, the freedom of the premise that you should have freedom of belief without persecution well it's not a coincidence to me that the greatest innovations have come from the the society with this mentality because if you become hindered by what you're allowed to believe then putting forth then that that takes away imagination for one thing, which is a big thing I've been talking about in this uh, in this um, episode, I guess. You you take that away if you take away people's right to believe what something different. You take away their right to hypothesize, their right to think outside the box, their right to come up with innovations that in in you know, science and medicine and all these things, these require a freedom of belief in order to benefit to to the highest extent. I'm honestly not sure why why this whole idea of beliefs popped up again. It pops up a lot in my mind. Uh, like I said, I don't often like talking about it, but I think it's, like I said, as I talk about it and as I think about it it's tied in very closely with this idea of identities and alter egos and that and our beliefs about ourselves and I don't know these are these are many many ideas that have been on my mind I think I've been blabbing enough though so I'm going to make an effort here to uh, to think about the alter ego effect. So this, I'm going to consider this sort of part one of this concept and try to come back to it. Again, um, I've gone on quite a long time here, nearly half an hour. I, I ought to get my ass into the gym, I think. But I'm going to consider this kind of just an introduction to the idea. I think there's some value here. I think there's some thoughts that maybe upon re-listening to will be more meaningful to me. Because I think there is definitely application in that, in turning off that sense of self temporarily while working to towards physical improvements how exactly to use utilize that I'm not quite sure I will say I'm working on a few uh, 
ideas that um, specifically music related that I'm trying to um, get the most out of because I believe that music can play a huge role in physique development in in different ways so and I began thinking about this the other day when a listening to certain kind of music jacked me for my pre for my workout even more than my caffeinated you know pre-workout drink was able to so there's something there there's something in music that really affects us mentally but the way we want to be affected at different times of our workout process so before during and after are all going to be different so i'm thinking of some ideas to effectively capitalize on that and i think i'll be able to do something really cool with that because i've got a lot of musical background and experience uh, those who know me are quite aware that i've done quite a lot of um, music composition and and recording and that kind of thing so so i think there's something there i think there's something there there's a lot of, anyway that's that is just to say there's a lot of ideas circulating in my brain right now of potential ideas to maximize the effect of training and this alter ego is just one of those and i'm not fully sure yet how to get the most out of it so like i said this is kind of an introduction to that idea and hopefully i'll have some more fully fleshed ideas as time goes on but i really did want to record this right away get it out of me and talk talk through it a little bit because it's it came to me with such power that i think it would be a waste to not try to address it in some way so I'm going to leave this episode at this for now. Pool jam back. Um, I know I kind of wrapped up the episode already, but the thing is I just got out of the gym and thought more about this. And even though I kind of already, uh, you know, ended that thought, I'm, I'm going to continue it a little bit because I got to think about it a little bit in the gym. And I want this to be somewhat uh, impromptu, unedited, raw, you know, I just I don't want this specific episode anyway to be glossy and edited. So anyway, uh, thinking more about the identities. Now I've I've worked my way a little bit more through the book I was mentioning. He did talk about a uh, scientific study that was done on on the subject, and they referred to it as uh, I believe self-suppressive activation. And uh, there was another term that, that was used. And, and funny enough, the the studies were using similar kind of um, processes as the one that I mentioned that I read in that article. And funny enough, they were, from the sound of it, where a lot of kids, they studied kids in this one study and they told them, to pretend that they were Batman or Dora or someone like that. And they gave them problems to solve. And they found that the more resilient ones were the ones who 
pretended to be other characters. And I think what's happening here is something I kind of alluded to before, where you're sort of stripping away self-doubt. And it's funny, I was talking about, you know, the fact that our culture was set up to try to get rid of persecution, specifically for religious beliefs. And, and ironically enough, we're seeing a movement now where people are being persecuted for having any religious beliefs whatsoever by people like the ones I mentioned. And the funny thing is that with these identities, I think I think part of the idea is to strip away not just self-doubt, but self-persecution. We become less critical of ourselves, and it frees us to just grind away and work. Now, I don't think this process is without its limitations, because as I was thinking about it, you know, specifically in physique development, I was I found it to be very helpful while I was in the gym. But being in the gym is only one relatively small part of a lifestyle. So if we're trying to adopt a lifestyle, you know, it means supporting that. So, for example, if... If I go into the gym and I did, in fact, go through the process of, of creating myself a character, I named him John, which was because as a child, I always thought that was a kind of strong name. I always wished my name was John. I don't know why. Perhaps it was due to that was Rambo's name, John J. Rambo. So anyway, I took on this persona of John and I tried to think, well, what who is John? And. It came to my mind that I actually thought back to this old, old, old Ricky Gervais episode where I can't remember if it was from his podcast or if it was from his old days at the radio, but he was talking about this fella he met who was like a CIA hostage negotiator who would moonlight as a bodyguard. And that seemed like kind of an extremely interesting individual. So this is kind of... Uh, what I based John upon. So it was it was quite helpful. I worked away at it. I actually it was my my Saturday morning this week was uh, sh shoulders and arms, so a very enjoyable type workout. I found myself doing some new movements too, just to stimulate the muscles in different ways, which was quite interesting. Uh, John was a quite capable fella in the gym. He worked hard. He felt his muscles. He didn't quit early. At one point in the process, I, I think the self-unawareness was stripping away and I was starting to consider more the process I was actually engaged in. And what occurred to me was that this is great. This is fine and, and well for while I'm in the gym. But what about while I'm at home, you know, eating? And, and, and going about my day and making the decisions that will impact how effective this ultimately is. Because if I just go home and I eat cake all day, which is a very, very high possibility because today's my uh, stepson's birthday party, uh, there's going to be plenty of cake. There's going to be plenty of junk. I think pizza is the, the meal. There's going to be lots of, of opportunity for me to eat like a pig. I can't stop. I don't know. I When pizza's around, when I eat it, I gorge. Like, I just 
I can't get my fill of pizza. So, I mean, but I can't be a character. I can't be this John character all the time. It's just not realistic. It's not practical. So I, that I, I find to be a limitation. And again, maybe I'll I'll have to play with it more in my mind to to come to terms with that, with the balance of when it's appropriate to be John and how I can still get the most out of it, right? Because I still want to be creating a, an optimal environment for John to th- thrive, you know? Um, interestingly, in the audiobook, like I'm still at the early stages. You mentioned uh, about, I guess, Beyonce did a very similar thing. She, she had kind of, she was timid and, and maybe a little bit of stage fright and, and certainly didn't want to be provocative, I guess, being a church-going, um, good choir girl, singer, whatever it was, and that adopting a persona helped her to bring out the aspects that people really love to see in public and, and, and helped her access the deeper parts of her that that she was that weren't available to her when she was hindered by this self persecution I was talking about. But anyway, that's I'm rambling, I know. But it's to me it's fascinating. And again, in the case of a performer like Beyonce, right, it, it makes sense. You can go on stage, you can give the people this image that they enjoy, and then you can go back to being yourself. Even on as as an athlete to an effect, to to an extent, but even I suppose athletes, even though they need to perform when they're on the field, they still need to come out of that and become. You know, it's a similar to to the conundrum I'm talking about. They they need to eat properly and and have a healthy lifestyle and that. So th- there still needs to be some kind of a support system for this identity. I think. So maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe nurturing this this character in some way, whether it's via knowledge, you know, maybe you learn some new techniques that that can help John or whoever your character is. Maybe providing the food as fuel that this aspect of you requires. Um, I'm not I'm not quite sure, but it's it's interesting anyway. And I wanted to amend the episode with this so this time I really am going to end it and we'll uh, we'll see what happens next time (laughs) 